0: Welcome to Tax Shack, a Tax Banter podcast. We love yakking about tax, so we've invited a range of tax experts and practitioners, including our colleagues at Tax Banter and Webmart Consulting, to have a chat with us. We hope you enjoy this episode of Tax Shack on personal and insolvency, managing your outstanding tax debts. I'm Neil Jones, the Managing Director of Tax Banter and your host of today's podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nick Mellos, a partner of Grant Thornton here in Melbourne. Nick is a trustee in bankruptcy and an expert in personal insolvencies and is the office chair of the Melbourne office of Grant Thornton. Nick, welcome to Tax Jack. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me. Uh, today's topic, managing your outstanding debts and personal insolvencies, I suppose we could reflect back, Nick, on the last... 21 months and say what an amazing period as covid-19 pandemic hit australia and a lot of businesses suffered impact i suppose business owners and maybe employees who couldn't uh, or are unable to work how have you seen the pandemic from say the personal insolvency viewpoint and through that lens how have you found the last 21 months well neil i know yes we have all done a lot of reflecting in the uh,
1: in the previous months but it is without doubt, the most unusual set of circumstances that I've seen in my you know, 25 plus professional year. Uh, we would have thought as everyone predicted that there would have been a spike or an increase in insolvencies. But in fact, it was the complete opposite. Um, and that's been widely reported that insolvencies, um, you know, personal insolvency and corporate insolvencies are down you know, 50, 60% on the pre-pandemic levels which um, is is to do a lot with, of course, the stimulus um, that the government put out there, Um, but also the fact that, you know, in the environment of the last, you know, 18 months, uh, businesses just haven't been chased aggressively as they normally would by by landlords, by the tax office, by trade creditors. So there was this spirit of understanding through that period. Um, And, you know, we know that if people are facing financial difficulty, it tends to be when there's pressure on them
0: that they make decisions or they yeah. might, might go into a formal insolvency. So the government assistance certainly helped and alleviated that and some of the deals done with landlords and, and rentals and those sort of things and, and borrowers and lenders came to our agreements but did you also probably get a sense that people weren't willing to take many risks during the uh, the pandemic that they weren't looking and act, being actively say in the MA space and a- absolutely i mean in, in times of
1: uncertainty people tend to sit on their hands a little bit more and and watch with interest what, what's going on so without that sort of activity without taking risks um
0: things just well what's the terminology the can just got kicked down the road yeah yeah certainly we've seen that from our main client base the, the professional advisors out there whilst they did spend an, an inordinate amount of time helping their business owners get the government stimulus measures to tide them through, there was a little bit of standstill sort of in terms of aggressiveness in the market, whether that was you know looking at competitors or starting afresh. It's not to say that there wasn't that activity, but it certainly wasn't anywhere near the levels that we would have expected it to. So we've seen a lot of professional advisors assisting their clients with a like JobKeeper, Cashflow Boost, the various state-based assistance programs. Uh, so we've seen our clients helping their business owners. Is that what you at Grant Thornton also do for the? Um, and I understand it's called the affinity network. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, we we are you know we are specialists. We've got you know tax partners, valuation partners. I'm an insolvency partner. So the inquiries that we we receive from our affinity network, we're, we're typically in that space: specialist tax, um, you know, valuations. Not a lot of insolvency, as I as I mentioned. Um, but, you know, that network assists practitioners and, and I'm sure, you know, many of them are listening to this call and what we found is they've just been <laughs> going 24-7 dealing with compliance and, and dealing with their clients' needs. What we're seeing a little bit of now is that as there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, they are now starting to advise their clients on what the next, you know, couple of years looks like. Um, you know, we, we got through the JobKeeper, we've got through all those pressing compliance issues. And now it's you know what's next for, for the client in the business. And that's when these conversations come into play, whether it be a restructure, whether it be a formal insolvency or, or M&A, um,
0: that sort of action. And that, from your experience, how are you finding the credit availability out there in the market? Is the, Are the banks starting to loosen the purse strings? We know the government supported them with a, a guarantee scheme, but in our experience at TaxBounder and our advisor network, a lot of people were saying that the banks just weren't willing to loosen the purse strings, even despite the government assistance. Yes, yeah, so Neil, we're seeing that, um, you know, finance,
1: whilst you have to jump through a lot more hoops, there is the ability, um, our experience, that, that people are being able to refinance in certain circumstances. Um, yes, the, 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 the banks might have created extra criteria, but for those that are looking for, for financing, there's plenty of other, you know, non-Big Four bankers that are out there prepared, prepared to do a deal
0: provided it's not at exorbitant cost, I suppose. Well, that's the trade-off, isn't it? The, uh, <laughs> the, less, the less paperwork or hoops you've got to jump through, the more interest you're going to pay. Yeah, I remember back to those wonderful things called low-doc or no-doc loans, and the inherent yes. risks that were associated with those okay so as we come out of the pandemic and the economy opens up again i think we'll see people you know doing deals again taking a few more commercial risks and uh, maybe maybe exposing themselves to greater liabilities as they invest and make those decisions i suppose what what are the options i suppose if things don't go well and things start to get a bit tough maybe nick if you could just sort of discuss the, the the steps when people start to face a few financial difficulties Yeah, and and that's the typical phone call we get from an advisor.
1: They say they've got a client who's in trouble, who needs some, uh, you know, insolvency advice. Unfortunately, those calls come in way too late. Um, And, um, you know, I I like to use the analogy that um, it's pretty hard to buy house insurance if your house is on fire, right? So the the earlier you can uh, get on top of your client's issues and deal with their financial difficulties, the more options there are. And, and the first and foremost thing people can do is to negotiate with their creditors. And that, that in the last 18 months, I, I, you know, we've been blown away with some of the you know, compromises that people have been able to negotiate with trade creditors, with with other, you know, um, uh, people that they owe money to yeah. on very favourable terms. So there has this, been this spirit of, you know, cooperation where they know, well, we're not, we know you're doing it hard, we're doing it hard, um, no point sort of pushing it up against the wall and, and doing a formal insolvency if we can
0: find a, a, a better compromise here. So, yeah, negotiate with your creditors early. And is that that old adage, if you don't ask, you don't get? So have a chat, have a conversation. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. Burying your head in the sand doesn't <laughs> solve the problem uh, when you've got
1: mounting, mounting debts and creditors. And do you, see uh,
0: going, do, you, sorry, Nick, do you see going forward then that creditors will still have that um, lenient attitude perhaps to their debtors?
1: I, I think the tide's turning on that, Neil, and, um, yeah, we're seeing that, you know, obviously, you know, the banks, banks, their their attitude is changing. Um, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the ATO a little bit later on, and we're seeing their attitude is changing. So so I think as people are coming out of lockdown, um, it's the natural business cycle. The debts need to be collected and debts need to be paid. Um, yeah. so, so that window of compromise uh, is probably closing or if not closed
0: already. Okay. Um, if the early intervention, as you're saying, you know, pick up the phone and talk sooner rather than later, don't wait, you know, time does not heal this problem. Uh, so if, if we get to that point where we, we haven't, we've missed the early intervention and the idea to have that conversation, what are the next steps that sort of maybe fall upon a debtor who's, who's got into trouble? Well, we've spoken
1: about refinancing. That's always an option um some people have a very you know big resistance to selling assets but that's always a strategy sell assets and pay debts um, we also you know recommend you know business planning and forecasting and and when you're doing your plans and your forecasting forecast for you know the inevitable what if you know what if turnover drops by 10% what if my number one customer decides to or <laughs> goes broke themselves so so look and plan for um, the inevitable or or the upside and the downside. And look at your credit controls as well, um, you know, uh, because you need to be paid from your customers as well. So, you know, strict credit controls, make sure people are paying on time. Um, proper accounting systems, as you know, Neil, they're very important. Yes. So, you know, exactly, you've got your finger on the pulse and you know exactly what your business is doing at any particular point in time. Uh, And of course, the old, the old, you know, the old adage that we talk about is asset protection, you know, where are your personal assets? Are they at risk? Um,
0: So all those are tips that we would um, talk through and recommend at the early stage. Okay, so look at what you don't need, maybe some of the resources you can do without in terms of tough times. Um, Hopefully not too many human resources are are trimmed, that the employees are sort of partially protected, we'd like to see that, but realise some assets um, cash flow is obviously the critical thing here. So I always use this often and an adage I like to use is uh, collect in seven and pay in ninety. Um, obviously, some people like don't like that strategy, you know. But uh, but it is at least understanding the implications of what your pay cycles are, your accounts receivable and accounts payable, and that's good advice I think, Nick. That you know, look at what you're doing, manage your cash. The other assets I can sell. What can I do? Refinancing, all of those strategies are good um sometimes ultimately though even with the best planning it's not gonna save the business so what is the ultimate sort of end game if you like where where are we likely to end if all of these things don't work yeah well um i think then unfortunately we see see
1: the more drastic formal formal end of the insolvency you know scale which is you know bankruptcies and part 10s and talking about personal debts here, because as you mentioned earlier, this is my area of specialty, um, there's corporate insolvency as well, which we could spend another whole podcast talking about, Neil. But from a personal point of view, um, it really there's two major formal uh, ways that you can compromise and deal with your debts. And one is a part 10 arrangement and a part 10 involves a meeting of creditors where a proposal is put up and it might be I'm going to pay 30 cents in the dollar and I need a couple of years to do that and then the creditors get an opportunity to vote on that compromise. And to get that vote through, you need 75% of the dollar value of creditors and a majority number. So that's a formal process. It does go on someone's credit rating as a, as a black mark. Yeah. But all the restrictions of bankruptcy um, don't exist. So, so it's quite a flexible and um, well-utilised used, utilized tool for individuals to compromise and deal with their debts and not have to face the more formal or restrictive
0: means of a bankruptcy. And in your experience, do most creditors accept that they would rather take something than perhaps getting nothing? Yes, is the short answer.
1: Um, But, but, you know, we've seen, you know, as long as the proposal looks Um, in the best interest of the creditors and when I'm appointed as a controlling trustee because you need a registered trustee to run a part 10 um, we're required to give an opinion on it so if we think it's in the best interest of the creditors most creditors will will look at the opinion of the trustee the controlling trustee and say well it all makes sense Uh, but unfortunately Neil there's there's situations where where some creditors prefer the bankruptcy regime, they they think there's there's more investigations and more opportunity to get assets over three years. Uh, but generally speaking, yes, the, as long as you're putting your best foot forward, and the proposal looks um, very reasonable. I mean, you know, we, we, we tend to not recommend much under 10 cents in the dollar, because
0: we just, it doesn't get much of a chance or look in. Um, but yeah, creditors do support these part 10s. Okay, and is there? I suppose there's the outliers, the exception where perhaps things do turn around and the creditors perhaps get more than was promised under a Part Ten arrangement. Well, that's all, that's the upside as well. If there's yeah. there's that that
1: element in the proposal that says, um, you know, if, if if trading increases
0: or if there's an up, there's an upside there too, correct. So you can structure it that way. It's a chance perhaps to get more than the offer, um, whereas going to the finality and and the bankruptcy, even though there might be an expectation that assets can be located, identified and realised, and the Part 10 might be the better way to go. So ultimately, if the creditors don't accept, and you might only, how many, 75% did you say? 75% dollar value, correct. Dollar value, so if you've got one significant creditor who's not interested in a Part 10, that can basically kibosh the whole arrangement. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, and, and of
1: course, we would we would speak to a debtor and, and, and you know, almost encourage them to maybe speak to that major creditor before jumping in the deep end and say, why don't you just test the water? Uh, because if this particular creditor or their lawyers are saying, no, absolutely, you're going bankrupt, you wouldn't be wasting your time, money and, and energy going into a part 10
0: if, if that's the feedback you were getting. That makes common sense. Uh Okay, so ultimately now, I suppose years ago in in my experience in the world of tax, particularly some taxpayers, they viewed bankruptcy almost like a badge of honor. It wasn't a stigma at all. Um, Suppose Nick, if you can give us a bit of an indication now on the implications if you do happen to be put into bankruptcy, what is the sort of um, attitude to people who've gone through this process? Are they, you know, cast aside for all time and with that black stain <laughs> or is it a just a fact of life and people are fairly willing to forgive and forget yeah it's funny you say oh, that no. Neil I mean ad- attitudes do vary we have people
1: coming into our office and they can't sign the paperwork quick enough quick enough and almost go skipping into the distance saying I'm debt free and then others you know are, are in tears and traumatized by the whole situation so so yes it is a very serious thing to do to do to do a bankruptcy. Um, but the major in- implications are that you cannot be a director for the three-year term and the general term is three years unless your bankruptcy is extended so so that can affect a lot of people and that can have other consequences where people are you know uh, directors of a a trustee company of a super fund a self-managed super fund so they might think well I'm not actually actively trading as a director but what does that now mean for my super fund is that non-complying so there's all
0: those situations to consider. Yeah. Uh, so the you, ramifications are not just that you're debt free and you've got a three-year window of, you know, you're in purgatory for three years, then you come out all roses and smelling beautifully and there right, are other implications. And the credit rating is another big one, Neil. So it does go as a, as a black mark on your,
1: on your credit rating for five years, even though the bankruptcy lasts for three years. So that would affect your ability to, to borrow in the future. And uh, travel overseas is another one we get asked so much. Uh, not that there's yep. been much travelling in, in, in the recent years, but um, you do need to get permission from your bankruptcy trustee to travel during your three-year bankruptcy period. Uh, some other minor things is that, you know, your necessary household furniture and effects is, is protected. Superannuation that you may have accumulated in the normal course is protected, um, uh, generally speaking, unless there's been sort of voidable transfers into, into super. Yes. Uh, you can have you can have a vehicle, keep a vehicle to about eight thousand one hundred dollars is is the limit now. So they're sort of the assets that that are and tools of trade.
0: Yeah,
1: and you're I allowed was, and, and you are allowed to earn a living, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. So so there is a threshold on what you can earn, and, and part of the trustee's role is to assess an individual's income every year. So the base amount now is approximately fifty nine thousand net. And any dollar they that are bankrupt earns above that, uh, then they have to pay 50, 50 cents in the dollar to their creditors above that amount. Yeah. And
0: that gets adjusted according to dependence and child support and all sorts of other metrics. Yeah, so there's a lot of numbers going into that equation, but you, you can effectively live a reasonable lifestyle all, all, despite the fact that you're in your three years of bankruptcy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And, okay. and the upside is, Neil,
1: you're effectively debt-free. Yes. Um, and look, there's some hidden traps the, the the other ones to be mindful of is after acquired property. So it's not just your assets at the date of bankruptcy. So, so one of the sadder things we see is inheritance where, where people, you know, so they might have a loved one that passes away and all of a sudden they're inheriting an asset during their bankruptcy period. Yes. Um, and that would be a realizable asset for the creditors. Um, so again, you know, we, we, we advise people that if you are entering bankruptcy, check if you're listed as a beneficiary in any will and, and hopefully get that changed. Otherwise, if something should happen um, over the
0: next three years, you might lose that, that inheritance. That's a good tip, um, probably one that a lot of people don't turn their mind to at all. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned earlier that we might get back to it later. The tax office is obviously one of the major creditors that a, a person can uh, be pursued. I mean, there's the, your financiers, your tax office, and um, I think they call it disgruntled spouses, but we won't talk about those. I think they're the top three personal creditors that can come chasing you. So the tax office, during the pandemic, did you see them with their foot off the pedal? Absolutely, Neil. Um, and and that's, that's just not the tax office, as we said, we
1: saw it from all sectors. Um, but, and, the, and the tax office were quite public about this. They said, well, during this, during this pandemic, we're not going to be chasing um debts uh you bring your compliance up to date absolutely um and talk to us you know there was this spirit of comp, um you know come come to us and see if we can reach a payment a payment plan and is that tide
0: turning also
1: now that has turned and again the, the ato has been public about this they say that uh, we're now we're now chasing debts um, actively chasing debts and I, I think there's been some, some comms on that that they're, they're starting at the top of the tree the larger ones are coming first and then we'll work all the way down to small business yeah. and, and look they, they, they it is more a tailored approach as well they recognize that there's some you know some pockets of retail or the travel industry for instance that, that are still doing it hard so, so it is a tailored approach they're saying we're looking at sectors and we're looking at level
0: of debt it's not a, just a, a free-for-all that we're going to come after everyone and, and that's probably fair enough for the tax office too. They've given that, you know, a little bit of a breathing space during the pandemic, but the economy's opening up again. And as you say, a tailored approach where some sectors are still under the bump, others are probably starting to bloom again and trading's getting back to normal. So meet your obligations, including your outstanding tax obligations. So we would see the tax, we respect the tax office to ramp up their collection activity, not only as we end 2021, but certainly as we move into 2022. This has come from an inside source,
1: so happy to share it with uh, <laughs> with your listeners. Thank you. Uh, that, that people sitting in the tax office that aren't necessarily in debt collecting have been um, doing training. Um, they've been rolling out training to other
0: parts of the tax office as to how to collect debts. So the resources that they're going to deploy for this function and task is going to expand and in your view, significantly? Yes. Okay, so more hands on deck to chase down the outstanding tax obligations. Okay. Um, Nick, you've sort of given us a great insight into the the steps, you know, early intervention, put in place plans early when you're getting into financial difficulties. Um, Are there other ways to avoid... Disputes and um, perhaps the disasters that uh, personal uh, insolvency can uh, um, befall upon a person.
1: Well, we've spoken earlier about t- tips, but um, one one of the things that that we you know some, some things that we see where where people are affected when they they come in to see us um, and uh, would have benefited if they had maybe some advice beforehand from their accountants, from their lawyers, and so forth is um, you know personal loans. We see uh, you know, a lot of people that are in financial difficulty uh, going to the, you know, the bank of mum and dad or family members and loaning money. And those loans tend to be, first of all, not documented well, uh, to be unsecured. So, so we, we we look back and say, well, if you probably sought some proper advice, maybe that that you know loan from from parents, for instance, they could have taken a charge over your property. Um, and registered a caveat over the title, which would give them a priority um, or more security than your unsecured creditors. Whereas just a you know a personal loan uh, ranks with all other creditors, including the tax office. So, so they're little
0: tips we say that people don't think about at the time. Yes. And that, that's probably due to the urgency that they're trying to deal with, isn't it? That you know the creditors are howling and they're looking for any means necessary to, to keep them from the door. Yeah, correct. So, and likewise, having, when people people are loaning into a company, Neil, to to you know
1: take a take a you know PBSR charge over that company as well to 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 get
0: uh, a better priority than the unsecured creditors. So there's yeah, some of the tips tips we say. A really good tip there, Nick, and thanks for that. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, Nick, about personal intelligence and how you're seeing that landscape at the moment? Um, look, it's it, it's always a tricky and, and changing environment. Uh, we know
1: that there is you know, a legislation that, that looks like it might be coming through again. It sort of was on the table about four, four years ago and um, uh, to do with uh, bankruptcies only lasting for one year. Um, yes. so, so that I think is coming. And that's okay. one that your listeners should be aware of, that all the implications we spoke about three years' worth of bankruptcy, will that be only one,
0: one year? Um, so stay tuned on, on that one. Um, but certainly, that was government policy and just sort of disappeared on the back burner, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did.
1: Um, it, was a, or it was during the, there was a leadership spill in Canberra and, uh, you know, it was almost, it had its second reading in Parliament and then went down to, you know, priority number 50,
0: uh, as it sometimes happens. It does, and that's certainly relevant in some of the tax changes the government announces. We wait and wait and wait, and then we just unsure as to whether it's still part of their policy platform or it's disappeared off the radar. But I do recall that uh, where the the time in hell, if you like, was going to be shortened from the three years to one year. And so stay tuned, as you said. Maybe it's uh, back on the agenda. And uh, we are having an election next year uh, before the the end uh... of May, so maybe as a bit of a sweetener. Uh, that could be something the government uh, resurrects. We think tax cuts may be on the government's radar as well as we move to an election in, uh, but before, as I say, before the end of May next year. Well, Nick, thanks very much for joining us at Tax Shack and for participating in this session and this uh, episode. And uh, I do thank you for your time.
1: Thanks, Neil. And as we said earlier, you know, when it comes to to, to insolvency advice, early intervention, talk to the professionals, speak to those people that understand and know it. Um, And because there is, you know, as I said, it's it's sometimes a maze of of different options and and quite a, you know, specialised area. So we always say seek professional advice if any of your clients are facing these sorts of difficulties.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Tax Shack. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, and let us know what you think or suggest future topics or speakers. You'll find us on LinkedIn and Twitter, or you can email us at podcast at taxbanter.com.au. You can also find our regular blog articles at taxbanter.com.au forward slash banter hyphen blog. We look forward to you joining us next time.